good, isn't he? Yeah. It'll be worth it all, for sure. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to the book of St. Luke. Luke chapter number 19, I'm glad it's going to be worth it all. I believe it's our duty as Christian brothers and sisters to pray for one another, to help each other when... They may be down on their luck to help them go the another mile. Times uh, do get discouraging for whatever reason. We're not promised a crown while we're here. But thank God we're promised crowns when we get there. Yeah. Meaning that we will have times of difficulty from time to time. There will be times of heartache, times of desperation, times of like you felt like you've just been plain deserted. But I'm glad that I serve one today that will never desert me. He'll never leave me behind. He'll always walk with me, walk beside me, and never leave me. Luke chapter 19, let's look at verse number 41 in the Word of God and let's stand together for the reverence of the reading of God's Word and prayer for the message. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 41. When it was come, when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Talking about Jesus. Saying, if thou hadst known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side. And shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. Because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Let us pray. Father, God, we can say that we love you today because you first loved us. God, we thank you for saving our poor wretched soul. Lord, it is our ultimate prayer this morning that if there be one here amongst us listening to this message today that is not blood-bought, born again by the King of glory, blood-washed by our Savior Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of reckoning, the day that they would have to come to a point to where they would have to decide either the world or Jesus. And Lord, we pray that conviction would appeal to their heart that they would have to come and say yes to you and no to this world. Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom this morning as we preach. God, I pray that you'd give us liberty to do what is set before us here this morning. And God, I praise you and give you glory for what we've already heard from the good testimonies that have already been shared. God, we thank you for these that are gathered here together today. In your name we do humbly ask and pray. Amen. Amen. This little old man was seen every Sunday morning walking to church. He, but get this though, he was a deaf man. He couldn't hear and 
He couldn't hear a word of the sermon. He couldn't hear the music of the choir. He couldn't hear the good songs of Zion sung by the congregation. He couldn't hear the prayers that were being lifted up. He couldn't hear uh, anything that was going on during fellowship. He just couldn't hear anything at all. And a scoffer one day looked at him on his way to church. And he asked this man, he said, Why do you spend your Sundays in that church for? You can't hear a thing of what's going on. You don't understand what even is happening in that church. Why do you even spend your time there? And this little old man said, I want my neighbors to know which side I am on. Amen. I don't know about you tonight or today, but I want people to know what side I'm on. I'm on God's side. Amen. I believe it was Moses over in the Old Testament that asked, Who is on the Lord's side? And if you're not on the Lord's side today, you're on the wrong side because He's the only side to be on. Amen. Uh, We can go to the football game and we can cheer on the Tigers. uh, We can cheer on the Gamecocks. uh, We can cheer on the Panthers. uh, We can cheer on the Braves. Uh, I just wonder if anybody would give a hallelujah hoop toward Jesus this morning. Amen. Hey, listen, He's worthy. Amen. Uh, He's worthy of our praise and He's worthy of our worship. uh, And I'm glad that I can let people know uh, whose side I am on. Quite often, though, Bible students, people who study the Bible, that is, will focus on the big events that are in the Word of God. And they'll overlook some of the smallest nuggets that will be such a blessing to you if you just recognize what they are and what they say. For example, it's possible to read Luke chapter 19 here in the Word of God and see the triumphant entry of Jesus as He moves into Jerusalem. But you may miss the tears of Jesus as He weeps over the city. And perhaps you and I may have a problem mixing triumph and tears together. But nonetheless... Tears of our Savior is mentioned here in the Word of God. And I want us to look carefully this morning as we study just a little while on the tears of Jesus. The tears of Jesus. Notice the cause of His sorrow. Usually when someone sheds a tear, it's either because of happiness or it may be because they're heartbroken or it could be, just as it was here of Christ, a problem with sorrow. Wasn't really a problem, but He had sorrow. Notice the cause of his sorrow. Some have suggested that Jesus never smiled. Folks, I'm telling you, I believe that he did. Amen. I believe that God had a personality. I believe Jesus himself has a personality. If you don't believe me, look at Brother Harold Perry. Look at me. God's got a personality. Amen. He created us, the two ugliest fellows on the earth. What about that? I feel privileged, amen, to be on the bottom of the totem pole, amen. Our Lord gave us life. He gave us breath. 
I believe Jesus smiled. I believe Jesus smiled uh, uh, when He raised Jairus' little daughter back to life. Can't but help to think that a smile come upon His face. I believe that Jesus smiled when He broke up that funeral procession and raised the woman's son back to life. You couldn't help Him to think that He just put a little smile on His face because He probably made the morticians angry and mad and they thought they had control of the body, but they didn't. I believe Jesus smiled when the woman at Jacob's well threw a water pot down, ran back to town telling everyone that Jesus was here. I believe He smiled as He dropped her water pail and began to run. I believe He just looked and smiled. I believe Jesus smiled and maybe even chuckled just a little bit after He called Lazarus out of the grave as Lazarus is there struggling trying to get the grave clothes off. I bet he looked at Lazarus with a grin on his face, saying, Boy, get out of them clothes. You don't need the grave clothes any longer. I believe Jesus smiled when he looked up into a sycamore tree and saw Zacchaeus hanging on to a limb and said, Come on down there from there, Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house. Salvation's coming your way. I believe he smiled. But on this occasion here in the book of Luke, Jesus wept. We have the record of Jesus weeping some three times only in the Word of God. He wept at the grave of Lazarus in John eleven thirty five. The body of Jesus was Gripped, I believe, by sorrow and his body shook with sobs and silent tears came flowing down his cheeks when he had heard of his death. But then again, I believe that frown was turned upside down as Lazarus was brought from the grave. The Bible tells us that Jesus wept in the garden of Gethsemane as he knew that his appointed time was near. And he wept here in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 41. When Jesus moved over the crest of the hill and saw Jerusalem in the distance, he began to weep. And that word weep means to wail. Well, the word wept means to wail or to weep out loud, to sob violently. Can you imagine what Jesus must have been feeling in his heart when he looked out across Jerusalem? He knew where the Jews had been. He knew where the Jews were headed. And he knew what was going to take place in the life of the Jewish nation. We are living today in the time of the Gentiles. Meaning that the Gentiles have been blessed and highly favored. Meaning that we can choose Christ. A crucified Nazarene of the Jewish ethnicity to be our Savior. And yet the time of the Israelites has not yet come. Why do you say that preacher? Well I say that because of this. The Jews, for the most part, still reject Jesus Christ today. They are still going to reject Him. They still deny Him as Messiah. They're still looking 
for the Messiah to come. But what they cannot comprehend and realize was that day when Jesus Christ was birthed into this world without the assistance of an earthly father. That baby was laid in a manger. Had even trouble of finding somewhere to lay the king's head. But the Israelites have always thought and still believe today that their Messiah, their king, will be born in royalty. He'll be born in a time and in a place to where they can have their salvation. The Jews believe that Jesus Christ was a good man, but that He was not the Son of God, and that He was not the coming Messiah. And they still believe that today. But that does not change the fact that they're still God's chosen Children. We ought to pray for them daily. We ought to reach out to them and help them. I heard, uh, I was listening to one of my professors just the other week, and these uh, uh, lectures were taped uh, several, several years ago. And one of the points that he made was this. He said, I can see even the United States of America turning their back on Israel to never help them or assist them in anything, in any way. And folks, if you hadn't noticed over the last four years, we have turned our back on the nation of Israel. And my friend, we are living in dangerous territory. In dangerous ground. Listen, I said it earlier today, and I'll use Brother Charles again as an example. His son, I believe is a good son. He sends me some encouraging emails all the time. I and love, love that boy. But you know what, Brother Charles? He could deny you as his father today and run off and never have nothing else to do with you. But it will not change the fact that Charles Crest is still that boy's daddy. Steal that boy's father. And it's the same way with Jesus Christ and the children of Israel. They are His chosen people. And no matter how much they reject Him, He's still going to love them. No matter how many times your children reject you, you're still going to love them because that's your child. And the only time that the Bible teaches that the Jews are going to fully turn toward the Lord Jesus Christ will be in the millennial reign of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That thousand year reign when Jesus comes and sets up kingdom. Then they'll know that the King is truly Jesus Christ. Then they'll understand the error of their ways. And they've been blinded all of this time. Folks, I'm here to tell you, I'm just glad that I've been adopted into the family. I'm just glad that I've got royal blood flowing through my veins. Because I belong to a king from Jerusalem. My friend that saved my poor wretched soul. And helps me each and every way of life that I go. Thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ, His darling Son I believe Jesus wept because of the privileges that were being abused. 
As he looked out over Jerusalem, he began to weep. Because see, God chose Jerusalem for a place of worship. From King David's time, the city had been God's designated place for the people to come for worship. God chose Jerusalem for a place of witness. And God instructed the Jews to build a temple in Jerusalem where the people were to come and worship God and be a witness of the nature of the nations of the world. But Jerusalem had become a place of wickedness. Annas had controlled uh, the office of high priest and had four uh, wicked sons uh, who were only interested in wealth. The priest had all the worshipers bring their sacrifices to them to be examined and they would always fail the sacrifice. In other words, they'd mark them off and say, no, they're not good enough. And they'd done that for one reason and one reason only according to the word. And it was for the people where they would buy the animals from the priest uh, at very high prices. In other words, the priests were thieves. And the priests were robbers. The money changers had taken over. Where everywhere uh, uh, they were ready to change the Roman coins in for temple coins. They were buying and selling uh, inside the house of God. It brought uh, a bit of anger to our Lord Jesus Christ. And the, uh, the Bible tells us Jesus went into the temple and turned over their tables. Being angry. You want to know why we don't sell inside the house of God? We'll have a fundraiser or whatever we do. You may purchase this or that for someone. and Somebody may think it's kind of crazy, but I always ask them, let's do it outside the sanctuary. Hey, if it angered Jesus then, it'll anger Him today. Hey, man, I got enough problems. I don't need the big man on my case. Hey, man, I need Him on my side to help me. Hey, man. I don't want to bring judgment against our church and against our house of worship here that the Lord has freely given to you and I. My, my. Jesus wept over the great privileges that were being abused, but Jesus wept over Jerusalem because of the missed opportunities. Jesus wept because salvation was and is still available to the Jews. As Jesus traveled around the country preaching and teaching and performing great miracles, many souls were saved. But Jesus wanted every person to believe on Him and to be saved. But they rejected His message. They rejected His ministry. They rejected everything that He had to say. To the time that they even mocked Him on the cross... By writing that superscription above his brow. Above the thorns. This is Jesus. King of the Jews. They were doing it out of mockery. But the thing was. It was all true. He was the king. And is the king. Jesus wept because forgiveness was available. Folks could be saved and have peace with their past and peace about the present and peace as they moved into the future. But they rejected His message 
And they rejected his ministry. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because of the approaching judgment. Jesus looked back and, and saw how the nation had wasted its opportunities. Jesus looked within and saw spiritual ignorance and blindness in the hearts of the people. And Jesus looked around and saw religious activity, but without meaning and substance. When Jesus looked ahead, He saw the terrible judgment that was coming to the nation. Look again with me in Luke chapter 19, verse 43 and 44. Look at what Jesus saw and knew. He said, For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. Jesus saw the day of coming when the Roman soldiers would come to Jerusalem, lay siege to the city for 143 days and kill 600,000 Jews. Take thousands upon thousands prisoner. Then they burned the city and they burned the temple to the ground. They would be so destructive that there would not be one stone on top of another when they left. I want to take what we just discussed about Jerusalem and how Jesus wept. And I want us to make it an application of our lives and our church. And what I mean is this. Our people Our church needs to weep over those that are lost in our community. And you may look around and say, Preacher, what community is that? Whatever community you come from. Amen. We ought to be a weeping people in our community. People are lost and unprepared to meet God. In our community, people need to hear about Jesus, folks. I'm here to tell you, we need to go forth weeping, bearing that precious seed because tears are a language that God can understand. And when they're real, my friend, things begin to happen and it moves the hand of God. We don't need anybody else dying and going to hell. We don't need anybody's daddy to die and go to hell. We don't need anybody's mama to die and go to hell. We don't need anybody's child to die and go to hell. We need them saved, blood-bought, and know what it means to worship and serve a true and living King. And His name's Jesus. We ought to weep. Weep around that old rugged cross. As we mark two more names off of that old cross Wednesday night. Oh, there's still more on there that need to be off. We ought to weep over our community. We need to weep over those that are elderly. We need to weep over those that are young. We need to weep over them all that are lost and need to be saved. We need to do everything that we can do. To get the gospel to the elderly in the community. Why? 
Because their time may not be long. You see, we were talking in the Sunday school class. Brother Ernell, how old are you today? Praise the Lord. Happy birthday. Brother Howard said he's 86. And I looked at them two men. And I said, if they can come to church, what in the world's wrong with the rest of us? I looked at them two men and see how God has just wonderfully blessed them. 85 years, 86 years, can still get in the car, can still walk up and get prayed for, can still pray for somebody, can still carry an offering plate, can still open the door up, can still be a help in the kingdom of God. Folks, I'm here to tell you, there's still lost people that need reaching today. But we tend to sit on our laws and not do that which we're called to do to win those that are lost and undone. I believe Jesus weeps over these people that are lost today just as He wept over those that were down in Jerusalem when He knew their time was coming. Folks, if Jesus can weep over them We ought to be able to weep over them with broken hearts as well. Because folks, I'm telling you something. You may be the only opportunity they have to reach the Savior. You may be the only way that they hear about the love of Jesus Christ. Our church needs to weep over the people who say they're Christians but they don't come to church. You know what that's basically saying? In reference to the bride and bridegroom relationship, it would be like me going to my wife and saying, Honey, I love you, but I'm not going to live with you. Honey, I love you, but I can't live with you. We're married and supposed to spend together with each other. Forever with each other. But we can't because I just don't know why. I would come sleep tonight in the bed beside you and hold your hand through the night. But I got things I need to be doing. We know that you're sick, honey. But I just don't have the time to spend a little bit of time with you. I got some things I got to do. Folks, churches are sick today. Churches are anemic today. And they get more anemic by the hour because nobody will make a dedication to the house of God. And nobody will take time to set the precedence and help encourage the others to be a part of God's holy union. My friends, we need to pray for those 
Christians have the opportunity uh, to worship together. We have the opportunity to walk together. We have the opportunity to work together. We have the opportunity to witness together. I believe Jesus weeps over people who say they belong to a church, but they're never part of the church family or the church members. And I'm not griping on membership. I'll be honest with you. I think it's good to be a member of a church. You don't have to be a member to go to heaven. You don't have to be a member to be part of fellowship. But boy, it'd be nice if you'd be here once in a while. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I believe Jesus weeps over those people and we should too. We've got opportunities to worship together and walk together and gain help from God. Folks, listen, I don't know what in the world happened in here Sunday night, but I liked it. Amen. People began to sniffle. People's nose began to run and the tears began to fall. And all that I know is God showed up. He showed out. I didn't have to say nothing. Didn't have to do nothing. You didn't have to do nothing either. It was just boom. He was here. Enjoy yourself. When he does that, he just proves how precious he is. And I'll have people come and tell me, Harold, they'll say, Man, I wish I'd have been in that service. Where can I get a copy of it? You can't get a copy of Sunday night. They never did make one. We didn't get that far, I don't think. They never did hand me one. A copy is not like the original. <laughs> a copy is not like the original. Amen. I often go back and listen to our services back in the mar- uh, back in the spring that we had during our revival, especially that Friday night. I'll go online and I'll listen to all the carrying ons. I watch I watched that video last night that you sent me. Joe's up here dancing. That girl takes off her running. I said, praise God, what is going on in here? And you know, it felt pretty good the first 48 times that I've seen it. But after I've watched it so many times, it don't have the same effect that it used to have. A copy's not good as the original. Amen. Amen. You can try to catch up on it later if you want to. But it might not do you any good. Our church needs to weep over people because of the future that they face without God. Jesus could look into the future and see what was going to happen to Jerusalem. God's people this morning can look into God's Word and see what's going to happen to the unsaved as they go out into eternity unprepared to meet God and unsaved and not knowing Christ as their Savior. Folks, the Bible tells us that hell is real. Hell's going to be there home. It's going to be a place of fire. It's going to be a place of pain. It's going to be a place of torment. It's going to be a place that you'd want nobody to go. Oh, we ought to weep over them. This world's got so much to offer. I passed by one church this morning. They have two services. 
I think they have maybe an 8.30, and then they have Sunday school, I guess. I don't know. And then they have an 11 o'clock. And I thought as we rode by, I pass it every time I come to church. I said, boy, last year at this time, they so many cars, they were parking on the outside defense of the cemetery. And it's not just today, a, a Labor Day weekend when, when people are going to be out of town and, and people do some of their traveling and you know the kids are out of school for tomorrow and this kind of stuff. And, you know, you expect the attendances in our churches to be down or whatever. And I, 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 I rode by this Baptist church and I, I looked to my right and I noticed this pattern, Brother Damon, over the past six or eight months. Cars aren't parked on the street anymore. Cars are not parked in front of the cemetery any longer. And I just wondered in my heart, in my mind, where did those people go? Has the honeymoon wore off? You know, they used to call that when a pastor first comes in, he's on his honeymoon. Yeah. Vernon Carroll said they'll love you and butter you up for six months, and then they'll gut you and stretch your guts out across the fence post when they're done after the first six months is over. <laughs> I, I wonder, was the honeymoon over? And then I began to ponder this morning. I said, well, is, is it because maybe they compromised, or, 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 or maybe it's because uh, uh, something went terribly wrong? You know, if you look at a church that's been overfilled for the last couple of years, and then all of a sudden, there ain't no cars in the parking lot, you begin to wonder what in the world happened. And it's always you're thinking something bad. It may be because that preacher stood up for what was right and made a lot of people mad because he was standing on the Word of God. I don't know. And if they left because of that, then that was something good. What do you mean? You're saying it's good for people to leave the church? No. But it's good for the man of God to take a stand on what's right. Amen. Amen. And, and I began to wonder, and, and you can look, and, 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 and people just won't get dedicated. People just won't come to a point in their life to say, I'm sold out for Jesus. Does it mean that when the attendances are low? Does it mean when there's no cars in the parking lot like we seen this morning there at that church? Does it mean that Jesus is not as good today as He was two years ago? Does it mean that Jesus is not the same today as He was two years ago? Folks, Jesus is still the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hey, listen, he wept over Jerusalem and the situation they were in and they were facing. I guarantee you, for some reason or another, I I just feel it, that I can't not believe that occasionally he weeps over us. He weeps over us. Do you think he might look at God the Father every once in a while and say, Father, I died for them down there. I died for them down there at Turning Point Free Will Baptist Church. I died for them at what put any church you want to in there. I died for all of them. What are they doing? I seen on a sign this week. 
I wrote it down in my car and I'm going to try to remember it. A church sign, Eddie, out in the front of it. And it's asked this question. Have you ever been taken for granted? Question mark. Down below it it says, How do you think God feels? Boy, I felt a pruning going on when I passed that sign. I was like, ooh, you've been taken for granted? How do you think God feels? And you know what? That's about right. That's about right. That's right. Ain't no bout to it. That's right. And I know our ways are not His, and I don't know. You know, maybe as a pastor, we, we feel different than people in the pews. I'm sure we do. But, brother, before I began to preach, I was saved. Yeah. Lucy Ted, when JB called me, and he said, Preacher, will you come over here? But he, I wasn't a preacher at the time. He said, Will you come over here and help out with this choir? I need some help. I said, well, let me pray about it and we'll, we'll, we'll see. I was just wanting to serve. And Damon, I, I went over there and, and after a few months we, we joined in and he put me right up there leading the choir. And before I even announced my call to preach, I was working a secular job I was running that jewelry store. And the things that I did, I could have lost my job. What would you do, preacher? Well, I didn't work on Wednesday nights. I made out the schedule. I ain't had to work on Wednesday nights. But I was required, Lucy, to work on Every other Sunday. Because they had to have somebody there to close down the store. I had to work every other Sunday. And they'd done told us from the corporate office, you open up at 1 o'clock and you close at 6 o'clock. How was I going to get from Greer over here off 85, one exit down this way, Church starts at 6 o'clock. How am I going to close and be there? Because you have to take all that stuff out of them cases, lock it in this big, humongous safe, count down the drawers, make everything balanced. Usually, if you're blessed, you get out at 6.30 if you close at 30 minutes later. Yeah. You had to inventory everything, count everything. Well, you know what I did? I switched it up on them, and they didn't know it. I didn't open up till two. <laughs> and not only that, we closed at five. Yeah. Didn't really pay us to open up. And if you've seen our sales on most Sundays, you'd agree. Oh boy, the boss man called and said, Boy, y'all did good yesterday. Been Sunday, y'all did six dollars and ninety nine cents. I said, Yes, sir, I changed that watch battery. And I know a lot of them just can't do what I spoke of doing. 
And I just knew I was going to lose my job over it. But what I'm saying is this. I never did have to be begged to come to church. Amen. Amen. I never did uh, I need the preacher to come over and, and give me a big old steak dinner and say, we wish you'd come to the house of God. Yeah. No. Never did. Some of you that are here today, thank God, uh, we've never had to uh, get a, a, a cattle prog behind you and, and begin to poke you uh, where you'd come to the house of God. No. I just wonder how much that it does break the heart of our Savior. And you know, the Bible says that our ways and our thoughts are not His ways and His thoughts, but you can't help but to think and, and ponder as He looks upon the whole universe, not, even, not just our church or any church, but looks upon the whole world and see minimal dedication. Look upon the entire creation that are saved, bought by His blood. And look at lack of commitment. But you know what? It's just not in one church. It's in every church. It's in every church. I've got a challenge for you today. When these good services start rolling by, come Jubilee time, if you're not here, you might miss something. Amen. A copy is not going to do you any good. Right. A copy of Jesus is not going to help you. A copy of salvation is not going to help you. I challenge you to be here. I challenge you this morning as we get ready for this altar call to let's meet around this altar. Meet around this old rugged cross and shed a few tears. With broken hearts, uh, uh, praying for those uh, that are lost, uh, uh, praying for the meeting we got planned coming up. Folks, uh, uh, when revival comes, uh, it comes to a prepared people. If we're not prepared, uh, when the man of God gets here, we might as well just not even open the building. We've got to prepare ourselves. We have to prepare our hearts. When's the last time you've wept over a lost soul? When's the last time that you wept thanking God for what He's done for you in your life? I want you to stand. As they come get us a song of invitation, we serve a good God this morning. We serve a God that can help you. We serve a God that can Take care of you. And thank God we serve a Lord that still saves and still delivers. Amen. We serve a Savior that bled and died for you and I to make intercession with the Father for us on our behalf. Thank God He is who He says He is. He has not changed. He is still the same Lord today as He wept over Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. Same Jesus.
He's the same Jesus. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time, God. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you'll minister to us all in a special way. Speak to our hearts. We'll love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You come. God bless you, folks.